that. One of my most favorite things to do is to get away to Vancouver for a few days. I love the culture of the big city, visiting all the cool restaurants and coffee shops and eateries and exploring all the cool places uh, to go and things to see in Vancouver. And uh, I was in Vancouver recently for pastor's conference and I had a great time reconnecting with old friends and people in other churches and ministries that I've, I've known for a while. And just the opportunity to visit with them again is always life-giving. And uh, perhaps I had a little too much of a good time this last pastor's conference with my pastor friends and things got a little bit out of hand and I think Easter is a good time to confess to the church that uh, I made some mistakes and I ended up having a little too much to drink. Some of you are ready to leave. I'm not talking about alcohol, okay? You judgmental people. I'm talking about the other Christian drug of choice known as caffeine. And uh, some of you, yeah, you're ready to leave, and others are like texting, I found the best church today. You should like come. And, um, I, I dig great coffee. Uh, and so every time I'm in Vancouver, I make a point to scope out all the hipster boutique micro roaster coffee shops that, that they have in, in that area. And I especially like uh, along Commercial Drive. There's a large kind of, uh, just a big grouping of some of the best, coolest coffee shops all along in East Van, along uh, Little Italy District and the Multicultural District of Commercial Drive. And um, I met a pastor friend at the far end of Commercial Drive, uh, they call it the drive, at the far end of the drive is uh, JJ Bean, is one of the beginning coffee shops. And so we met there and had a bite to eat and visited, had a couple cups of coffee and caught up and visited. And, um, and so... Um, one of the things I like to do is I like to buy a bag of beans from the coffee shops because I only get to Vancouver once in a while and I want to take opportunity to, to do that. And the big franchise coffee shops like Starbucks and Blends, many years ago they stopped giving you a free drink with coffee. When you bought a bag of beans at Starbucks, you used to get a free drink. They don't do that anymore. But in the cult coffee world of these little hipster boutique shops, they still that tradition is alive and well. And uh, it's another sign that the Lord loves me. And so um, I bought my, bought my bag of beans, and uh, my, my, you know, we parted ways. My, my friend took off. He, he's at another church just down the road, and uh, we parted ways, and I, I got my beans. And um, having just finished lunch and uh, just having a couple cups of coffee, I was feeling fairly full. So when they offered me my free drink, I had mixed feelings because on one shoulder, sat the voice of reason whispering in my ear. And if you're married, men especially, you'll know that the voice of reason sounds a lot like your wife, okay? And the voice of reason that sat on my shoulder and whispered in my ear said, you're full, you've had enough, you don't need another coffee. And in hindsight, that would have been the wise voice to listen to. Um, and the other voice sat on the other shoulder and whispered in my other ear, and it was not looking out for my best interests. And uh, you all know this voice. This is the voice that says, do it, go for it. What can it hurt? It feels good. You can handle it. All of the cool kids are doing it. And, and uh, that voice that so easily lets us justify things that we kind of sort of know are not right, but we do them anyways. And I quickly reasoned with myself that it's one thing to take a precious 
bag of these prized beans back home and make a cup of coffee at home. It's quite another to uh, partake of it in the coffee shop where the machines and the grinders are amazing and the, 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 the hipster, tattooed, bearded barista lady makes it for you. <laughs> and, um, and she... She puts all of her heart and her soul in that coffee. And, and it, just being there on the drive, and it's rainy in Vancouver, and it just, it's like the stars align. It's the perfectly, I, I knew that I probably should have that extra cup of coffee. And um, the baristas take pride in their craft. It would be, you know, it would be rude to turn down a free drink. And their grinders and machines are so much better than I have at home. I won't be able to do full justice at home, and I should really taste it on their equipment. And besides, when, when am I going to be here? I, I hardly ever get to Vancouver. and I should enjoy it while I have the chance. And the voice said, you've been working hard. You deserve it. You'll regret it if you miss it. And uh, the voice said, besides, it's free. You'd be silly not to drink it. And the best of all, as the voice said, what can it hurt? You can handle it. You'll be fine. And I thought to myself, I'm right. I can handle it. And I, uh, I, I ushered those four words that have been at the demise of mankind for all of human history. I, I tapped the bar and I said, make it a double. <laughs> and, uh, and I had my doppio espresso and... Um, and it was, it was awesome. We talked about the chocolate and the texture and the cherries and the smokiness and the earthiness and where the beans came from and the acidity and all that kind of coffee nerdy stuff. And, and then I went on to the next one. And so I was at the far end of Commercial Drive and I proceeded to make my way all the way down to the other end and stopped at Platform 7 on Hastings and I hit every other coffee shop along the way. And uh, when I got back into my car... At the end of Commercial Drive, I put all of my, it was raining out, so I didn't want to put everything in the trunk, and it was pouring rain, and I just put everything in, inside in the front seat, and I buckled up my coffee beans and kept them safe in the front seat. My car smelled glorious, and it was like the best beans roasted with perfection and care in Vancouver and Victoria and Seattle and Portland and all that West Coast coffee culture and that coffee cult, and I was so proud and so happy and so excited about my coffee. And um, I, had, uh, I had merged victorious and, and left up Hastings Street, merged onto the, the, the number one, and uh, my sister lives in North Van, and I was going to her place for dinner. It was about 15 minutes away, and I'm like, oh, great, I'll be, I'll be there in time for dinner, no problem. And I went around, and I merged onto the number one, and it was rush hour, and it was gridlock traffic. And uh, I am not the most patient person in the world. It's not one of my spiritual gifts. And so um, I have a hard time with traffic at, at the, the best of times. My, my pain tolerance threshold level for traffic is really low. I do not set the bar very high. And so I got into traffic, and it was gridlock, and it was stopped. And, um, and, and to make matters worse... I could feel the coffee begin to kick in. And I sat and I, I merged. I was so focused 
on the car. I was, there was no way anybody was going to merge. I was like tailgating an inch, an inch, giving the straight ahead. I was like, I got it. I got, and, and, and it, it started to hit me. And I began to do the, to do the, uh, you know, the, the replay, the story of my pilgrimage down Commercial Drive. And I realized that in less than an hour, I had had eight double espressos and a couple cups of coffee. And it was really beginning to hit me. And I sat there in traffic, and I, it's somewhere around 2,000 milligrams of caffeine in my, in my body, which is really close to between buzz and stopping your heart. It's right in that, it's right in that range. And um, I, 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 it just it began to hit me. I, I was madly playing steering wheel drums to the music, you know, when you're just... <laughs> only, only to realize that I actually had News 1130 talk radio on and there was no music. Um, I was incredibly fidgety. I was like adjusting my seat in the rear view mirror, and then the side mirrors, and then my seat again. And I just, uh, my, I, I just kept licking my lips feverishly and running my tongue over my gum. This, my mouth was so tingly and charged. It was like... And I sat there, and um, my heart was racing. And I could actually feel my blood felt hot. Like I could feel hot going from my heart into my, all the way down. And it was warm. And, and I, I, I had to throw on the AC. Like it was drizzly and cold out. And I was like, <laughs> I put on the AC. And I needed fresh air. And like I needed it now. So down went my window. And I stuck my head out. And I was like, and I, I sat there in the middle lane, in the middle of the bridge, and I, ah, 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 and it was just coursing through me. And uh, to cap it all off, I had to go pee really, really <laughs> bad. And that empty water bottle was starting to look, I was like. And the only thing that I was thankful for in that moment was my wife wasn't there to see me and go, mm-hmm, I told you, it's your own dumb fault, you big dummy. I knew that's like exactly what she would end up saying. And, and I, I went to bed with a pretty bad headache for like a week, and uh, I didn't sleep well for like a week. And um, the truth is, the truth is I couldn't handle it. It was the wrong thing to do. But you see, in the moment, in the moment, there were so many good reasons why it seemed like it was the right thing to do. And I just made a series of bad decisions. And it's so easy to justify things, uh, to justify them away and say, you know what, I'll be fine. What's the big deal? I can handle it. It's okay. But there is a spiritual law that would say this. It would say that good intentions are never enough to fix our mistakes. Having our heart in the right place, having the right motives for something, none of that changes the situation that you can find yourself in. And sometimes things just go wrong. And it's because of our bad decisions. And our good intentions don't make that go away. 
We've been going through a series of talks called Rising Strong, and it's really finding the courage to get up and keep going when life knocks you down. And most of the weeks, we've been focusing on things like the the unforeseen things that just happens in life. Sometimes, you know, we get burned. Sometimes we get hurt. Sometimes there's sickness and illness, and sometimes there's, you know, financial difficulty and relationship difficulty. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens that's beyond our control, and it's, it's life. And when life knocks us down, we have a choice. We can get back up and keep going or just kind of stay down. And we've been focusing on finding the courage to get up and keep going. But the truth is, is that there's another side to that. Because it's not all the uncertainties of life that knock us down. Sometimes our own decisions can knock us down. Sometimes it's our own bad choices and our own life and our, the, the mistakes we make that knock us down and take us out of the race. And when we're brutally honest with ourselves, it's the poor choices and the actions. You know what? They create a world of hurt not only in our own life, but they create a world of hurt in other people's lives. And there is always collateral damage. When we go off the rails, when we make a mistake, when things don't go well, there's always collateral damage in the lives and the people around us. And when all of that blows up in moments like that, Our good intentions and having our heart in the right place are not enough to take all those pieces and put them back together and restore them and make everything good. Good intentions don't take away the pain. They don't take away the situation. And there's something about our human condition that no matter how hard we try, we still make a mess of things. The Bible calls this something. The Bible calls it our sin nature. And every one of us in this room has a propensity to sin. Sin is that voice that says, you can handle it, you deserve it, what will it hurt? Sin is that thing that is inside of us, that deceives us. When we know we can and should do better, but we don't. The Apostle Paul is one of the most esteemed spiritual figures in all of biblical and human history. He penned about two-thirds of the New Testament. He was an influential leader in the early church, His traditions and teachings have influenced and and founded all kinds of movements in human history. And in Romans 7, 17 to 19, Paul says this, so I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Not only does this guy sound messed up, but he sounds like us. I am tested so many times. I falter and I fail so many times. Why did I say that? Why did I react that way in that situation? Why did that happen? I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that way. Where does that, where does that come from? Do you know this morning in the opening video, we had some, we had some music, and um, in the first service, the music didn't play. And I'm a pastor, right? So like, Easter is like the Super Bowl of the year for me. Like, I, <laughs> I've been, like, excited, and, like, I, there's, like, this is a big deal. Like, Easter's a big deal for us. And I, the, the music didn't play, and I'm like, well, did we test it? What happened? And I'm like, huh. And afterwards, I'm like, okay, and I had to go and apologize to our video tech. Say, you know what, it's not your fault. I didn't say there was music. I didn't have notes. I would, you know what, and where did that come from? It just, it just comes out of us. Somehow it's there. Even though I don't want to do that, and I don't want to be like that, and I, don't, I do it. 
And that is the sin nature. The most spiritual figure in recorded history says he can't make things right on his own. No matter how hard he tries or how good his intentions are, he cannot beat his sin nature on his own strength. And this is true for all of us. We all have this thing inside of us called our sin nature, and we cannot rise strong above it on our own. The good news is someone has already done it for us, and his name is Jesus. And we can rise strong over sin because Jesus rose strong and made a way for us. Easter is a celebration of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus gave his life on the cross and he took, he took the penalty. It's like we, we did the crime, but Jesus took the penalty. He went to the penalty box for our actions. And Jesus took and put his life on the cross for us took our sins and put them on himself. And yet three days later, he rose strong from the dead and he conquered the power of sin. And the cool thing about Jesus is this, is that he invites us to participate in not only his death, but in his life. Jesus invites us to participate in his forgiveness. It's an invitation, it's extended to us. It's extended to every person. All of humanity has the same invitation from Jesus. It doesn't matter what period of history we've been born in. It doesn't matter what country or language or cultural diversity or background or rich or poor or, or whatever economic diversity or situation we are in. All of humanity is offered the same invitation from Jesus. Jesus says, I have come. I've come for you. I come to give my life and I come to invite you into my kingdom and we can rise strong over our sin because Jesus rose strong and he invites us into that. You know, this morning, we watched some baptisms right here. And that's really the declaration that those who were baptized did. They went down into that water to say, Jesus, that sin nature, that thing that's in me, that thing that's alive in me that just comes out and I don't like it, Jesus, I wanna die to that. I want that to, I just, I want that to go away. Would you cover that? Would you wash over that? Would you remove that? And when they come back out, Jesus, I want to live for you. I want your life. I want your hope. I want you to be within me so I can serve you. I can put my priorities towards you. And that is the process of what we say being born again, of, of inviting Christ into our heart. We do this by opening our hearts to Jesus and just, just through kind of saying, Jesus, I open my heart to your forgiveness. Open my heart to your grace. And sometimes it can just be like a little, just like a little crack. Like you're just, I just, the, the way that it's described in scripture is so awesome in Revelation 3.20. It says, um, Jesus stands at the door of our heart and he knocks. And you know, it's us who opens the door and welcomes Jesus in. That's how it works. And the truth is, is when Jesus rose from the dead and that wonderful history and the things we, we surround in the Easter narrative, the resurrection of Jesus, when Jesus rose from the dead, it's like he comes to every one of us and he knocks on the door. He's like, hey, here I am. Let me in. Let's, let's play. Let's have fun. Let's, 
And it's an invitation. It takes an invitation for us to open the door, to turn the handle and open the door and welcome him in. And that invitation is for every one of us. Sometimes Christianity, or maybe it's Christians, maybe it's not so much Christianity, but it's the, 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 the Christian followers are, are labeled and stereotyped as always condemning and thinking that everybody else is sinful and the world is sinful and the truth is all of us are sinful and a foundational part of the Christian faith is I am sinful and need Jesus you're sinful and need Jesus everybody in this room is sinful and needs Jesus we all have a sin nature everybody in this community everybody in this world needs Jesus and we do it by opening our heart and inviting him in and it's just opening your heart to his forgiveness and his grace and welcoming him in and so we're going to do something that we often do in our church community. We're going to bow our heads and we're going to close our eyes in this moment out of respect for others. It's a contemplative moment. And there is an opportunity for you this morning. Perhaps you've never done this and you, you've never taken this step of faith. You've never had this response or this invitation. But the invitation this morning is, would you open the door and let Jesus in, into your heart, into your spirit, into your life. Welcome him and his life, his new life, resurrection life into your being. Just to kind of make some room for him. And it's very possible that among all these people, that there are some here who have not done that. And this morning is a great opportunity. It's a great chance to do that. And we're going to do something that um, is just a symbolic way of saying, Jesus, that's me. That's how I identify. That's where I'm at today. And what you do is we're just in this contemplative, reflective, spiritual moment, this sacred moment. I'm just going to get you to slip your hand up. Just hold it up for a second, and you can take it back down to say, Jesus, I want to give my life, my heart. I want to open the door to you, Jesus. Father, for those that put their hands up, we ask that you would show yourself to them, that you would reveal yourself to them. Lord, we pray that they would be able right now, even in their own mind, their own heart, their own spirit, by faith, they would reach out, they would open the door, they'd turn the handle and open the door. And Jesus, that you would come in. Pray that your love, your forgiveness, your presence would flood their heart. Jesus, you would show yourself to them. And for the rest of us who are here, as we heard this morning, the incredible difference our lives can make in the lives of others. Those that were baptized this morning, that were baptized here because somebody else in their life invited them to church, became their friend, walked with them in pain, walked with them in disappointment, made a difference in their life, stood with them, offered friendship. Father, the same way you came to us, you can go to others through us. And I pray this morning that you would once again inspire and encourage us to be the kind of people that would be willing to go with others and find you and open the door to you. 
to stand in the gap. I pray, God, that those in our families that we will be with this weekend that don't know you, that we would be a blessing in their life. We pray for opportunities in families and friends and coworkers and students this week ahead. Jesus, it is an urgent thing. I pray that you would give us courage and give us boldness and give us wisdom on how to represent you to others. We thank you for loving us, for dying on the cross, for giving your life for us in Jesus' name.